0: Hi, and welcome back to the NEXT Conference podcast. This is the first episode of the new year. I'm your host, Alex Jacobi, and this week's episode features Ulrich Weinberg's keynote from the NEXT Conference 2018, where he talks about design thinking and the power of creative teams. Thanks a lot, Jeremy, for, in- for introducing. You still have air to breathe? no is there any windows anymore to open because i think it's actually very hard to stay alive but i try to i try to make it as easy as possible for the next 30 minutes um and then we we have to discuss also um so what i would like to share is i would actually i could relate to both of you to jeremy and to pip Uh, i would rather relate to what i have listened to at the last plenary speech by Indy uh, Johar, I don't, I don't remember the name correctly, and because he was pointing on, we have to change how we do politics, how we do governments, and I'm, I think he is fully right. And to go a little bit deeper, we are exactly at the topic which we are talking about today, which is education. Because we have to fundamentally rethink the way how we do education, because it's still in the way prepared and done. In the pictures Jeremy has shown, the industrial age, you saw those machines and to make people fit into that kind of industry, to measure them, to fit them in this kind of industry, which is not longer relevant. It's there. Yes, we have the building, we have the machines, we have the fat steam machines over there, the boats, we have the cars, we have the airplanes. But we have the digitalization. And that is actually much more important, and we are not adjusting the education system to that. So, what I would like to share is, to go a little bit out of that way here, um, what we are doing at the School of Design Thinking since the last 11 years now, uh, because we are trying to tackle that topic, we try to be a little kind of prototype of the education system in the 21st century, because we have now education systems which are modeled in the 18th, 19th, maybe 20th century, but not, not more. I would not talk too much about myself. I just introduce briefly, I'm, um, I used to be about 30 years ago uh, one of the pioneers in computer animation, computer graphics, who is old enough that you can remember this kind of thing. Some of you, yeah, too great. Um, and, <coughs> So I used. I became a professor for computer animation but for, since 10, 11 years now I'm at the Haskell Plattner Institute running the School of Design Thinking and I moved out of my niche and now I, we are addressing all kinds of issues, which is high fun. I would not talk too much about our school, just some brief numbers, 120 students every semester, representing about 70 different disciplines, about 60 different universities, so a little mini university, 20 different nations, high diversity, and and we are embracing that, and also 35 professors and assistants, high density. Very good relationship between students and and teachers, and this is something we have to also take in, in, in account in the times of significant change we are in right now, we are not dealing right. We still have not enough people to accompany the young people and also the people in the industry on that big transition path. We have to have that kind of relationship uh, ratio. And uh, yes, it's a little bit more expensive maybe, but it's, we need it. And we are fighting for that since 11 years now, and we still kept it alive. The other very important thing, no grades. No grading from the very beginning and the whole thing, what we are doing is all team focused, all teamwork, and project based, no curriculum. Curriculum is also something out of the last century. Curriculum is coming out of times where we did things in a linear way, where we tried to define the outcome in four years from now during the study path. You can't do that anymore. This is over we have to be aware that times are changing so fast, we have to adapt also in the education system. So what we do is we talk with companies, we work with companies, companies with organizations, big ones, smaller ones, all kinds of. And I don't want to talk too much about that, just a little glance about the the portfolio, about all those big companies approaching us, but also non-governmental organizations, governmental organizations recently It's nice to see hundreds of organizations approaching us and trying to deal with us and learn from our students. I don't want to talk also too much about what we are doing now with professionals because there are about 4,000 professionals. There is kind of moved on with the move through our education with the students. The companies were returning. They were saying, wow, what you're doing with the students. We want the same thing. We want the same mode also with our Professionals with our management team can we can we send them to to your studies? Is it just a two? What is a two semester program? So two semesters, none of the management representatives has time. So we developed that kind of program. About four thousand people running through that program looks nicely designed. It was not intended when we started eleven years ago. There was no intention to start to 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 do it, to the to actually train professionals. No, we were just focusing on students, but now we. Through the times, we developed this kind of program. It's amazing how fast the industry was adapting to that. Also, I do not want to. Actually, that was one of the most interesting side effects was that we that we had that, that our program generated startups and spin-offs. We didn't expect that. We also didn't expect that when we started. We were not aware how entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit encouraging the whole design thinking program was, but. Now we can count about 120, maybe even more, spin-offs and startups just falling out of the program. There's no no slide about entrepreneurship, nothing to talk about. But it just happens that the students come out and start company. What I want to talk more about is what is design thinking and how we frame design thinking at Potsdam. Who of you has heard about design thinking? Who of you did a course, a training? Who of you attended the d.school training in Potsdam? One? More? No? <laughs> so, who of you was a project partner at the d.school Potsdam? Yeah! Three! Three project partners to one student. Wow, that's great. So uh, this is not design thinking. This is the stuff you get if you check in the internet and do a search for design thinking, you get this kind of crowdy things which make you think that design thinking is just a method, a new method for the method suitcase, something else. When I returned from Stanford 11 years ago, I was saying, yes, there is a method, there is a new method I learned about, but I learned about three other, two other things which are highly important as well. And uh, so I came up with that kind of framing. And this is the framing, how we define design thinking since 11 years now for students and also for professionals. And just three things. First thing is we have to move away from the focus, from the individual focus, moving, moving away to a team focus, to a collaboration focus. We have to move away, and this is what we are doing from competition which is the basic pattern of our education system to collaboration, And this is what we do with teams. So we build little teams, highly diverse, men, women, different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different personalities, of course, handicap, very welcome, is a part of diversity. It actually adds a different perspective. And I'm talking about, I didn't do that 11 years ago, but I started talking about a team of teams. Not just one team is important, not just a number of teams separated. No, it's a team of teams mode, a term actually coming out of the military. I couldn't believe it. There's a nice book about team of teams written by one of the generals um, who is an American general who was in in charge of the Afghanistan uh, troops, and he wrote a book about the mode they entered to, be, to survive that fight against the little groups, the little terrorist groups all over the place, being there as the big American army. They know how that works. They came in no chance against that little, little um, groups. So they moved into a team of teams mode, and this is the mode actually we are practicing all the time. It's not swarm. Swarm is good for animals. There are some leaders, actually Mr. Tsetcher was saying, Daimler, 20% of Daimler needs to be swarm mode. I think he meant something different. He meant probably team of teams mode. If you remember, swarm is very good for, for, for animals, but you remember the swarm modes with people, with humans. It's usually something military, you know, something which makes a lot of people to walk in the same direction or look the same. Second thing is the space. That was something I discovered at Stanford. They did something to the learning space. It was not a normal lecture space anymore. It was not a normal seminar room. No, it was a laboratory. It was a laboratory flexible enough to do every kind of project, to attract every kind of project partner, no matter if it's an industry like logistics or um, the car industry or finance. So they, they try to attract all people. And when I returned back to, Stanford, to Potsdam, I only found lecture halls, it's kind of big things, similar halls didn't work. So we we developed this kind of environments, kind of architectural environments, actually. Highly flexible tables, whiteboards, which allow people to be as visual as possible, not only using words and numbers. Our students, most of them are very good in using words and numbers. They're very bad in using the other part of the brain. They're just good in using one part and uh, not the analytical part, but not the creative, intuitive part. Most of them, they're saying, oh no, I can't draw. No, I can't draw a picture or so. But as soon as they allow themselves to do that, they've come up with great little illustrations and drawings, and that is highly important to to rethink the space. The third thing is the process. Yes, there's a process, yeah. And this is actually the process which um, every designer, who is a designer here? Who used to be a designer? Who's an architect? Well, there's a lot of designers, wow. So this is the process every designer is using by heart, intuitively. You don't have to tell them. They actually do a lot of observation. They try to understand the client. They define a precise point of view. They do a lot of ideation, generate a lot of ideas. They build prototypes. Every architect builds. He draws pictures, sketches, models, another model, virtual model, all the time for getting test results because they show the prototype to their client, to their customer. And so the good thing, the interesting thing here is not the six steps. It's actually the little lines indicating that you do this over and over again. And this is A big difference to a normal German engineer who is trained. If you have six weeks of time, this is the process. First week, you do understand. Second week, you do observation and so on. And last week, you do testing. Then you're done. The thing is finished. And this is how usually our students are approaching things. And we are saying, this time is over. Times of linear thinking and working are over. We are living in different times. So you have to train your brain in a different way. And you have to make it as flexible as possible. And you have to allow yourself to do, a little, to do a lot of mistakes, to make a lot of mistakes. So this is how we frame design thinking. The place, the process and the people, three core things. And uh, if you do this, sounds very simple. No rocket science, no more computer involved, no digitalization. No, it's very simple. But if you do this really seriously, you change On one hand the culture of education fundamentally because you change basically everything and you change if you do this in the workforce you change the culture of work fundamentally and this is what we're trying to do and this is what you're not only trying to do at stanford and in potsdam there are a lot of organizations now growing all over the planet and we just started the Global Design Thinking Alliance last year. We had the first gathering of all the members this year, six weeks ago, in, in New York at one of our new places, the HPI places, and it's really interesting to see that network of like-minded institutions really radically doing things different than the normal education system. Some of them are embedded in organizations like in, it's the CoC, Communication University of China in Beijing. Um, they are part of a normal university. Some of them like Genovasi in Kuala Lumpur completely built up from scratch with the government, with the help of the government. They wanted to have a new way of educating adults, not just students. And it's really interesting. Most, a lot of them, they actually were traveling to our place, trying to look at our model and uh, get inspired. And we helped them to build up that kind of structure everywhere completely different always fits into the culture of the organization. Going back to that thing here, when we started 11 years ago, ago, I thought all those three things are very, very difficult. Where would you think, looking at your organization, where would you think is the hardest part? Where we have to struggle the most? Is it with the space? Is it with the team? Is it with the process, with the non-linear process? Where would you say? Any idea, team? Hmm. You have seen my presentation probably before. Actually, I was, I was coming up through, some, through the years also with a focus on here. We are adapting to spaces, yes, humans can do that. You know, We are adapting to a space without air here and you still survive. Um, we can also adapt to new processes, especially in Germany. We are really very good in process, process, and new process, and we can learn that. But the very hard part is here. Why? We are living in a a world which is highly connected. And this is a cheap picture out of the internet. It should be three-dimensional. It should be pulsating, it should be moving, it should be growing, and so. But let's keep it like this. Just as a representation of the world we are living in. Who of you does not have this kind of piece of glass in the pocket? 10 years ago, when we started the D-School, that was not existing. They were not existing. They were just phones. All of you have that now. yeah There's no person who does not have that thing. Okay. So, but this is what is defining our networked world. The brains are still in that mode. I call that the Brockhaus mode. All the Germans, aren't, uh, they, they immediately know what I mean because Brockhaus is the way is the best known German encyclopedia that is the way how we organize knowledge in analog times. And I started using that as a metaphor for things which are disappearing because I was standing in front of my bookshelf and looking at the level of dust on top and I asked myself when did I look in the, my nice Brockhaus house last time? I couldn't remember, it was years ago. And then I started myself asking myself, do I not want to know anything anymore? Now I'm a professor, I know everything, so I, have to, I don't need that. But of course, I want to know every day a new thing. Even today, I was looking at least 10 times at my piece of glass and I'm trying to find out who is that person, or, um, sending an email and so on. I'm using the networked version of the aggregation of knowledge, which is called Google, Wikipedia, whatever, Baidu. And then I kept standing in front of the bookshelf because that structure... Reminded me to something. Whenever we start a project, I ask our project partners, the CEO, the CIO, the CTO, the CXO, no matter. I ask them, please draw me a picture of your organization. The thing that happens is, they go to the whiteboard, they draw, you know, we have eight departments, and then we have management level one and two, and we have the board up there. And then I go to the whiteboard, and I draw A and Z. I'm saying, this is... Brockhaus, this is things, this will disappear. This is not the pattern of today. This is the pattern of the last century. And this is the pattern of the analog world. This is the pattern of the 21st century. And this is what I draw underneath. And then usually they immediately agree. They're saying, oh, yeah, you're probably right. And then we start thinking of how to get out of that old structure, that old thinking into the new one. And design thinking is probably the best toolset so far. At least the most, the the, the, the at least the, the most uh, global and um, um, <laughs> that is that is the, the best the best system or the best toolset I could find so far. If I would find another one, and if any one of you has an idea of of other ways which are more holistic, which are actually addressing more interesting things and better and more important things, please let me know. But I think the most holistic approach of transformation from here to there is actually design thinking because we are addressing the key core things and it's not very easy to do. And I I would state also, a friend of mine, he came up with a great term. He was looking at my, my picture here and he was saying, The old world is the IQ world. We measure the intelligence of the single person and the outcome is one number. And we do this still in schools a little bit more in detail, you know, that's called grading. We still do that. But what we need is WeQ, it's the we qualities. It's a new term. We started the WeQ foundation because I was so intrigued by that term. I haven't, we checked in the internet, I couldn't find it, it was not there three or four years ago. Now it's there. And uh, there's the EQ in the middle, yes, of course, but the VQ, the we qualities are the ones who are actually defining that kind of pattern and which should define also our education system. We don't have measurement systems for VQ. We have tons for the IQ thing. And we are not very far. This is also very important. I put myself up there, our students, where would you think they are? I do this at the beginning um, of the semester um, and, and usually the students would say, oh, we're all on LinkedIn and on Facebook, we, have, we, are, we are on all those social networks and we, are, we have all those machines and we are completely connected, we are, we are networked. The truth is, the machines are connected, yes, but their minds are in a highly competitive mode and the bad news is, through the last 11 years, from my perspective, seeing that more than 1,000 students from all over the world is getting worse. Why? Because they are still trained in that kind of mode. They are still all the education systems, most of them, except Montessori School, yeah, and a few others, are in that mode. And they're trained to use this kind of machines not for connecting each other, but actually to empower the individual, the individual. I have more, I have the better machine, and I have more likes than you on Facebook. And this is what I see with my little son. I have a 10 year old, so we we can all talk about kids. I have a 10 year old when he, so I would position our students up here. Our 10 year old before he came to school he was connecting everything with everything. Now, it was completely crazy. I would have positioned him here. Who has kids in school? Yao, ja, a lot, good. And uh, now he's in fourth grade. And I would probably position him here. In 10 years from now, he's in a normal school. He's not in the Montessori school, a normal school in Berlin. And in 10 years from now, he is here. And this is, for me, really scary, because we don't need those kids anymore. And I just had a good conversation with a person from, from Holland. we were talking about he is also a teacher way over in the back, and uh, we were just discussing about his notion and, and what, is, what is going on with the students. And we had the same, the same notion that we were saying it's getting worse every year, because it's not, it's not the biggest change we are expecting. Digitalization, one thing, can also be illustrated here very well. What I see a lot of organizations are doing, they have the analog D, and then they'll make a digital D out of that. As soon as you have realized that this is not the right pattern for the 21st century, you have to think of a new way of digitalization, like here. Digitalization is all about connectivity between individuals, between groups, between companies, between organizations and so on, and all the software needed needs to be checked through that pattern. Is that really helping us to connect better, or is it just stabilizing the old system and make it digital? That doesn't help in the future. I wrote a book about that, first the German version, then the Chinese version, then the English version. This is my last thing, and because the book had interesting impact, and I just pick out one thing, the Chinese version. When the Chinese version came out, a few weeks later, I got an email from Zhang Ruimin, who is the CEO of a Chinese company called Hire, Jingdao. And he was writing, I've read your book, Mr. Weinberg, and I gave it to all my, my leaders and my organization, and I invite you to come to Jingdao. I want to show you my company. And it was, I was thinking, wow, great. Um, and I didn't, know, I didn't know too much about that company. Who knows Hire? who has a higher refrigerator or higher phone or so. I'm, I just have a little phone at home um, of, of Hire, but I didn't know what they were doing in terms of company organization. So I went to, last year I went to Hire, three day visit at his organization and the meeting with him was really interesting. When I came in, he had the book and uh, there's the network pattern on the, on the top. Uh, on the front page and he, and he was pointing on this and was saying, hi, Mr. Weinberg, this is higher. And I haven't seen any CEO in Germany or in Europe to point on that structure and say, this is higher. They all point on the Brockhaus and say, this is us, we want to become like this, you know, but, and he was saying, this is, this is higher. And I was asking why, what are you doing? And he told me like five years ago, they were sitting together in this, in this leading team, and they were discussing digitalization, and they were saying, if we continue in the Brockhaus mode, yes, they had that kind of silo structure, of course, if we continue in that, we will be dead. So we have to change something. And they changed slightly, but truly the whole organization, 80,000 people as large as Audi, for example, in Germany, they changed it towards, he calls it an ecosystem of micro-enterprises. Ecosystem of Micro-Enterprises. And he's stating, it's not just a theory. We have already 900 of those. And my aim is, in several years, I want to have 2,000 of these little companies. And then the whole higher universe is completely different. I am losing a lot of power, which I have now. I am the boss of everything now. And he will still be the boss of the ecosystem, probably but he will have 2,000 CEOs, and they collaboratively will run the whole organization. That was the most interesting approach <laughs> I have seen in the last year, and he had even an interesting name for that. That is the picture he was showing me of that kind of ecosystem with all those little companies on, and he was, I was asking him, are you using design thinking for that? And he was saying, no, I have a different term. I call that Ren Dun hey. And I'm not that good in Chinese, so I asked him to translate me, translate that. And he was saying, Ren is standing for the person inside of the organization, the employee. Dun is standing for the person outside of the organization, you could say the client, for example. And He is the connectivity between the person inside and outside. And he was saying, this is it just this is our pattern this is our rule for all the little organizations also for the little for all the CEOs there is no way of not contributing to the network they should all be connected with each other and this is possible nowadays in digital times you can do that and this is the big challenge we are up to to tell this kind of things to our educating educating systems especially to the political responsibilities and i'm so happy that next week we have a delegation from the federal ministry of education first time first time after 11 years to visit for a full day and those are the guys who are doing the fundamentals for the education for the federal education which is actually a problem in germany because we have all those 16 lender and uh, i hope that they'll get at least the bigger picture they know industry is moving towards that model and we have to move also our education system towards much more collaboration. Thank you very much. This was Ulrich Weinberg's keynote from The Next Conference 2018. If you like this episode as much as we did, go to iTunes, rate us with five stars and leave a review. We are happy to hear from you. The next conference podcast is presented by Sonabird.io. Sonabird is the easiest way to record and publish a podcast and a flash briefing. So if you were thinking about starting your own podcast or your own flash briefing, go to sonarbird.io and start your podcast today.